0: So, uh, we're on a seven-minute late episode of Open Support. Uh, Appreciate everybody's patience. If you have a question, then just raise your hand as Aaron and Kelly have already done. Aaron, you're up, bud. Hey,
1: Brad. How are you doing? Good. What's up, man? How you been? I am uh, good. Enjoying the views here. Well, Costa Rica, Um, man. Tough to beat. Well, we're unfortunately going back in two days. Well, live it up all you can. Uh, Yeah. And uh, it's been pretty good to us. We enjoyed this view uh, while closing like 3 4 of our deals so that's been fun tough to beat that man you know
0: if we're closing deals and uh and getting to see Costa Rica at the same time then I'll call that a win
1: yeah okay so we have a uh, deal that I'm I'm really I'm on the fence I would love to get your feedback on so ARV is 430 ish it's a new build 2022 it's a nice build like nice finishes stuff like that we're getting it sub to a mortgage of uh, 406000 Interest rate is 4.7. Walk away is 20. Repairs are zero. Uh, our, our exit strategy would be to wrap. And I am kind of on the fence. Wanted to ask your opinion on this.
0: Yeah. So basically, the question is would we do this deal? Basically, it's a no equity deal in terms of price equity, would we do it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of on the fence. You know, at this point, I would probably want to look at almost superlatives of the market. So, uh, is there a good population base? Is this a, a generally a, an appreciating market? Because you're right, we don't have price equity. It will cash flow pretty nicely, you know, 3%, probably about $1,000 a month. So, that's making me feel pretty good. You know, so I would probably do it, but I would want to make sure that I felt good about days on market in this price bucket. So let, let me contrast that with what would make me not do it, okay? So if the average home price in this area was 130 grand and I'm at 430, i am probably not going to do it, okay? If I'm in a situation where th- this is a town of 1,000 people, I'm probably not going to do it. If this is a situation where uh, I'm in an area that would be really, really difficult to foreclose, then I would maybe not do it at that point. Because then we're going to have to bury $20,000 as opposed to get it back on an owner finance deal. You know, if I have, if I keep this as a rental, I'm going to bury 20 grand and probably not get it back, which I don't really want to do. So those are the things that I'm going to look at personally to decide, okay, is there something here that I like or not? And I think David Alexander really put this well. He said, what is the definition of a good deal? The definition of a good deal is a deal that makes your life better at the end of the day. And so, you know, is this going to make your life better at the end of the day? If it's throwing off a $1,000 a month and it's in a good market, you can underfinance it, get your 20K back in a down payment from the buyer, and then be in a position where, you know, this in cash flows for years, then yeah, I would like it. But if it's a really small town, if the median prices aren't there, then I'm probably not. So this is one of those just kind of, it depends sort of answers.
1: Okay. So this one is in Pensacola, Florida. Kind of on the north side of town. Mm -hmm. Almost everything there is new development, and there's a lot of new development going on there. And prices are for new development. There is three hundred and up. That's kind of for that. I'm not sure as far as what's the. uh, Well, I know it's not a rural area, obviously. Uh, Not sure uh, how what what's kind of the process or how foreclosures go in Florida. Well, it's a long foreclosure uh, state. It's a
0: long foreclosure state, but I do think that you could probably do a lease purchase on something like this for a year to make sure that they can make the payment and probably get the 20k back on a lease
1: purchase. And I was actually thinking, I wasn't even in my in my uh kind of putting numbers on the paper. I wasn't even thinking like I wasn't so we're going to sell it at 450ish, 459. That was kind of my thought. And then I didn't think of getting ten percent down, but I think we could get thirty thousand down and have about ten thousand uh, profit on the front end. I don't know. You tell me if you think it makes sense. Uh, and then the other thing that comes into play, and you tell me, and I could go either way, with or without it. But I have a private money lender that would put the the twenty down in second position. Yeah. Well, that does help if. We can amortize it
0: from the cash flow. So, in other words, the cash flow coming in from your owner finance buyer paying off the 20 so that you're not having to front cash. You know, I'm, I'm liking it a lot better. So, I would say with 80% certainty, I would do this. And, you know, the fact that, you know, what it has going for it is going to cash flow nicely. It's a newer build. So, you're going to get a better down payment than if it needed a lot of repairs. It's in a pretty good market. I do like the Pensacola market, we have done deals there. And the only thing negative about it that I can see is that it is Florida, which is a judicial foreclosure state if you or finance this. I was just talking to a friend of mine Monday night from Florida. He's a private money lender and does a, a lot of, of, of private money loans. And he said, if I'm lucky, I can get a house back in five months. If they know how to work the system, it could be a year to two years, you know, so just keep
1: that in mind. So you're thinking, okay, so I guess just taking this like going big picture, you think Numbers-wise, this deal makes sense. What you don't like, or partially, I guess, is that it's in Florida, but then obviously we would not exclude owner financing in the state of Florida or in any other state that is long long foreclosure if the numbers are right. Correct. By the way, with my private money lender, our agreement is she'll get... Two points origination, 8% amortized over five years. That's cheap enough. So man.
0: you'll never find cheaper private money than that. That's great. Well, never is a big word, but that's pretty
1: darn cheap. Yeah. So basically, we will be uh, probably at 400 a month for five years and then would completely pay it off. No, for sure. So you're thinking basically, yes, go for it. Just uh, ideally sell it with rent to own or something like that, make make sure you have a, a year with a tenant in place to make sure they're a good tenant?
0: It depends on the down payment. If somebody came in with 50K, then I would go ahead and finance it to them. I wouldn't have a problem with that. If somebody's coming in with just 20, then I probably want to do at least six months on a lease purchase, maybe a year to make sure that they can't afford the payment before I give up, give up title. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. Appreciate your help, Brad. Anytime, man. Rock and roll. Love it. Doing deals from Costa, Costa Rica, baby. All right. Miss yes. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing well,
2: Brad. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing well. I've, I've been anxiously awaiting a report on this uh, lakehouse deal.
2: And yes, we do have an update. We had an under contract two weeks ago. Just to run through the numbers again, mortgage, which includes 5,000 in arrears, is going to be a total of 255, walk away zero. Repairs minimum is going to be 20 grand on the high end, would be 60. ARV. uh, I spoke with about five different realtors. ARV, they're actually putting at about 450 on average.
0: That's cheaper than I thought.
2: Yeah, we were hoping it would be a little bit higher, but. So we're actually going to be closing on it any day. So our, our plan is doing it sub two. We're taking that sub two and then we're going to do either retail or wholesale. So my question to you is, is based on the, the minimum rehab, it's going to be cleaning out. And the whole thing's trashed. Basically, they just walked out, left it. So cleaning it out, painting the interior. It needs a new HVAC and power wash on the outside. So tops 20 grand. There's a couple of realtors that if you do like brand new kitchen, brand new bathrooms, all of that, we could list it 475, you know, maybe 485, something like that. We basically just want to get in and get out. But yeah. so my question is, is when we were there, we actually viewed the property. The neighbor up the street came and wanted to buy it from us. We hadn't even walked in yet. So we didn't know what the condition was or anything like that. Didn't know the numbers on it. We just said, once we have an idea of what we're doing, we'll be in touch. So I'm wondering, how should we approach this? Should we go ahead and I'm assuming go ahead and contact this these people and say, hey, what would you offer us for it? Or should we go in there with a for sale by owner number and if they don't want it, try listing it for sale by owner for a while because I know the market is there's nothing on the market in this area from what realtors have said that that's you know in in a lower price point that's not five, 600,000. Right. The people who want to buy it are empty nesters. They're looking for something to downsize in, and that's more or less what we're getting. Or at what point should we go ahead and do a minimum rehab and list it with the realtor?
0: Right. So a lot of times I'm willing to sacrifice some profit for speed. So in other words, you know, it's much, much better for your business to have three turns on the same capital per year than just two. So, you know, it, it, let's say your entire bandwidth of purchasing is one unit per year, uh, one unit at a time. Then what I'm saying is it's much better for us to make $40,000 three times than 50K twice. Okay. Okay. So, you know, overall, I would go to the, the, the person that reached out and wanted it. And I would say, hey, we're looking at maybe listing this. I remembered the other day that you said something about being interested. Did you have a number in mind? And so then we're going to go basically with the script work in reverse. Well, I mean, I, it is on the lake. Is that the most you would pay? <laughs> you know, it's like, you uh-huh. know, they go backwards from there. And, uh, you know, and they may say, well, you know, what were you hoping for? It's like, well, I don't really have a set number in mind. We've had some realtors look at it, but I'm sure that you had a number in mind whenever you said that you would be interested in buying it. So, I mean, what are you thinking? You know, and just kind of go that direction. So we don't want to say a price first. I think it's okay to say, well this realtor said this high price and this realtor said this high price, but that's after some renovation, the the property does need some more. So I think that that's really the next step that I would do. And then from there, if they don't take it, then I would look at, okay, what do we really have to do to get this to market? Right. But I'd want to do really the the least amount possible to just turn the money, especially when you have this kind of equity, you know, like if the guy told me, Hey, I'll give you 375, I'd say, well, I mean, I am leaving, a, but I would do it, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't just okay. jump on it, but I would do it, you know, so around hundred K, if I can clear hundred K on this deal and just not touch it, then I would look at that as a win. You can take that capital, put it back in the business and start to churn. And that's kind of the direction that I would go.
2: Okay. So my next question is, is from what I read up and what some of the rulers have said that in, if somebody is going to finance it, they're going to have to get a new H in it. So like, I Now we should paint it, clean it out, you know, power wash it again, because it's a mess. But in regards to something like the HVAC, should we go ahead and just put money into it to do it that way in case somebody is financing it or just don't even do that? And that's where we would, you know, just work with the deal and say, hey, you know, you will take some money off of it if you go ahead and buy it. Yeah. So So I'll do things like that that are required by lenders.
0: Yeah. So. Good question. So basically, how much in repair do we do for a potential buyer that may have a financing issue with the appraisal? So obviously, I don't think this thing's going FHA, but if it's, you know, VA or whatever, then they may require in this area uh, an HVAC unit. I would rather negotiate that whenever I had a buyer that needed it versus put it in and then we get a cash offer anyway that didn't need it, you know? So like as much as I can keep from fronting cash into a deal, then that's what I want to do. Right. So I'm going to wait. And like we have one right now in Jacksonville where buyer came in and said, Hey, I want it, but you know, it looks like I'm going to have to get a new roof at this price. Would you do a new roof? The answer was yes. You know, I knew that roof was going to come up anyway, but instead of me putting it up there, the buyer feels also like they won, you know, like they asked for something, we negotiated it. I knew I was going to have to pay for it anyway, but now the buyer feels like they got to win. Right. So, and also in home inspections, whenever me and Tony roof were running rehabs ourselves. We would leave stuff undone in the house for the home inspector to find for the buyer to negotiate that were minor items just so that they would have something to negotiate and feel like they won, as opposed to having a really clean home inspection. They're like, well, I know I should ask for something, but all of the stuff is super trivial. So like the GFCIs, we would never do, you know, we, we would, you know, just really piddly stuff, you know, so th- this is kind of the situation that I'm feeling on this. I'm not going to front cash into this deal. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to go to the neighbor first, tell them, hey, we're going to go on the market here in a couple of days. But if you have a number in mind, we're happy to entertain it. We'll take a look at it and then see if they take it. If not, then I'm just going to maybe clean it out, make sure it's safe. But that's it. That's it.
2: So not even paying it? No. Okay. Okay. All right. So next, the last question is, is what would be the least that we should take for this in regards to what the ARB is and not having to put any money into it? Well, that's going to be a tough
0: question to answer. That'd be great
2: if we could get 375.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a tough question to answer, but I'll tell you how I'm going to look at it in terms of thinking. So I want my rehab to two and a half X the value. So at the point that I start to get to where that's not going to happen, then that's where I'm going to stop the rehab. And that's really going to depend on the area, you know, the price ranges in the area, because like, as an example, I say this all the time, like a house in East Nashville may need a certain type of condition that a house in Dothan, Alabama doesn't. It could be literally the same house and even the same exit value, but the buyers in one area command a higher quality than another area. So you really just want to look at the comps in the area. And I would say even by price range, these comparables may not even be super comparable to to this one because this one's on the lake. So I'm not going to just look at at lake homes, but I'm going to look at, okay, at a 450 exit, what do these properties look like? Are they courts, new cabinets, you know, all white everywhere, new flooring, you know, completely renovated, or are they just pretty okay, right? So that that's what I'm going to do. But for whatever reason, I don't think that's going to happen here.
2: Okay. Okay, great. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. I'll keep you updated.
0: Yeah, please do. Love it. All right. Yeah, I've, we can clear 100K. We're good on that. We're good. All right, Todd, and what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. How you been?
3: I'm good. Besides, my throat started bothering me a couple of days ago. So if I sound weird, that's why. Well, it's okay, man. Everybody's been sick this year. Yeah, it'll go away in a couple days. Uh, So, yeah, basically, I'm just trying to nail down my marketing strategy. I'm kind of in the place right now where it's kind of like the calm before the storm, I guess, because we haven't got the PPC up. We haven't quite had like inbound leads yet. So I'm really trying to obviously, you know, like I like past timelines. So I want to hit the ground running and I'm trying to optimize. What does that strategy look like as far as acquisitions? So besides PPC, what should I be doing or what could or should I be doing to supplement the pay-per-click, uh, whether it be like, you know, calling for pre-foreclosures, different stuff like that. And if you would recommend me to do direct to seller outreach, what would be the best list or what would you do if you were
4: me?
0: Yeah. So I'll go in reverse order. If I was going to do outbound, it would all be a pre-foreclosure. So when we do outbound, we have one person doing outbound right now, Jim, uh, and he has a call in the apprenticeship on Fridays where he literally will call people while he's on the call uh, and show you how that process works. But that's the only list that I would call. I mean, it's public record. They're in the big five motivators and there's a timeline associated with the need to sell. Whereas a divorce kind of has a timeline, health and safety. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Inheritance situations oftentimes don't, you know, those can go on for years. But pre foreclosure, like we've got one right now in Tennessee, where this seller has ghosted us. We have it under contract. They tried to sell it to somebody else who's a friend of mine. I reached out to him, and said, "Hey, we have this under contract." He said, "Hey, no problem." Now the guys tried to sell it to somebody else, and he the the price keeps going up. We have it for one eighty. Pat was paying two hundred. Somebody else is paying two ten, and you know they're, they're trying to get around us, but we have a memorandum, so it's like we're not going anywhere. But the reason that they're trying to get this done quickly is that they're in a position where you know they have a foreclosure date. So I would only do outbound to pre foreclosure. Now um, the other, but that presupposes that I would have you do that anyway. Now here's the thing. Yeah, you know there are people here that are in the apprenticeship. There are people that aren't because uh, this is open support really to anybody that wants to to jump in. But here's what I would say: is I know Tiden's situation, we've had conversations, and I would tell you, man, like PPC is going to be enough to get you where you want to go. I would not complicate things with trying to figure out two different processes at the same time when I know that this one's very, very efficient. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I would imagine that PPC
3: is going to be more of a variety of people. It's going to be one of the big five motivators if they, if they do have a motivation, where if I'm calling a list, it'll be just, you know, foreclosures. So do you ever see that being more complicated for someone who's new as far as like how to handle different different inbound situations?
0: Not really, man, because the process really remains the same. Like what we really try to, to train on in the curriculum is understanding the emotions around the situation, you know? So like the main emotion around divorce is distrust. So that you have to understand that if somebody reaches out to you that is in a divorce situation, you have a, another spouse that you haven't spoken to that you almost have negative rapport with because- you know, Jill called you and John didn't. And now John is thinking, well, what did, what's Jill doing on the side? Who's this person that's going to buy the house? You see what I'm saying? So like navigating that. And if you're in an inherited situation, a probate situation, it's one of two things. It's either grief or greed. You know, so either people think, oh my gosh, I just won the lottery because grandpa died, which is awful. And then, you know, the situation where somebody is, is in deep grief, you know, and understanding those situations. But the process of triage and perfect presentation really remains the same, right? So I I wouldn't worry too much about that. Okay. So what I'm hearing is,
3: if you were me, it would just be, Titan, don't worry about calling pre-foreclosers. Just do PPC and focus on that.
0: Yeah, I would. I would. It's going to be the fastest way to contract. It's going to be the most efficient way to contract. I mean, let me just pull my numbers for this month. I had Tyler send it this morning. So, I mean, this is our um, February numbers right now, if you guys can see this. Let me try to pull it up a little bit bigger for the screen. A little bit bigger. Okay, cool. So, right now, we're at 10 contracts, 511,000 in equity. Um, Cost per contract total is 2,600, and we're at 15.3 leads per contract, which can't pull it up. Let me see if I can do it this way. Yeah, it's not going to work. For the, for the month? Yeah, this is month to date. You know, and and honestly, these numbers are really low. We've only spent 23,000 on ads where I'm spending generally 45K a month. I'm not going to hit that. And then the question is like, well, why? I pulled my radiuses back from 40 miles to, I think, 20 miles. And whenever you do a big change in an ad account like that, then the account can, can take some time to reset. We didn't spend much money in a, for an entire week. So this is really, you know, today's, that's perfect math. Today's the 21st. This is really 14 days worth of, of work. We had an entire week where we had very, very little lead flow. But this gives you an idea of how efficient this model can be. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, and it's kind of funny, you know, we split test all the time, different uh, ads managers. And let me see if I can show it fairly easily. So David is at 2508 cost per contract here. And then Eric is at twenty eight hundred cost per contract. So I mean, almost the same amount of cost per contract across two people. You know, so it's it's very stable, very stable, predictable.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I was asking me my other question because I've I'm I'm scheduled to meet with the those people, uh, the D- Derek and uh, David. Is it David or Devit? Uh, David. David. Yeah, which one would you have me go with? Yeah, if they're so, on this call. I don't want to attend them. But.
0: Yeah, th- that's an amazing question, man. I mean, here's what I'll say. I don't use David right now. I have and I've been happy with them. But I, I don't need three ads managers. And I'm all the time split testing really against David. So here's what I would say is, it's kind of like picking between your your two children, like who's your favorite. It depends on the day. You know what I mean? It's like, who's acting better right now? And you're younger, so you may not understand exactly what I mean. Most of you guys understand. I have a daughter, though. Okay, cool. So you, but so you have one whenever you have the second one. So I have a daughter that's eight and my son's five. It's like, who, who's your favorite? Who's doing what right now? You know, but I, it's like, obviously, I don't have a true favorite, but you know, there are times when I like one more than the other based on what they're doing. But here's what I, I, I've seen historically is that Devit had more contracts, but the dollar value of profit per contract was slightly less than the others. So then it comes down to, well, how do you define better? So if you define better as more consistency and more contracts, it would be Devit If you were talking about higher profit margins, it might be Eric. See what I'm saying? So it's tough yeah. to say like who's better kind of thing. Uh, I would hate to have to live off the difference. I will say that. I mean, there's no bad option. So what I, w- I would tell you is to speak with both of them and see really just who you want to work with, you know, so maybe it's just a personality issue. It's a culture fit, you know, but there's no bad option there, dude. And this is one thing, man, like we had someone recently tried to, like, reach out to the apprenticeship directly and say, like, hey, I'm running ads. Like, I'll, I'll do your ads for you. Like, we don't allow that because we don't know if they're any damn good. You know, the only way that I know if someone's good is if I I split test it and I I use these people And then I could say, okay, like they're good because I'll spend my money first. So that way you're not blowing through your cash, right? Running ads, like they can literally, because we spend so much money in our accounts, take the accounts, cut and paste it into somebody else's account. Yeah, so it gives a lot of age and predictability to other people's accounts. So hopefully that makes sense.
3: Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Last question I had for you is ad budget going into it. I I can't remember exactly what we talked about whenever we spoke, um, but when I talk with Jim or Jen, it was start with 2000 and then work up from there. Yeah. What do you, I'm not, com, I'm not super confident with my ability to phone call triage to doing the math to know, is this a good deal or not yet? So to start out with, should I wish do less or what do you say with my budget? Just freaking turn them on and go or what?
0: Yeah. It almost depends on the personality, man, in my opinion. So whatever you do, you have to have a budget that you can maintain and, in- be in a situation where it's not going to keep you up at night for five months. So if you're not willing to do the same investment for five months, I would say wait until you can do that. And if you're in a position where, yeah, I can do a thousand a month for five months, but you know I couldn't do three thousand a month for five months, then I would go with a budget that's less to 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 maintain consistency. So that's the first thing. But you know it, it depends on how aggressive you want to be. So there's no doubt that you're not going to be as good day one whenever you have leads coming in, or as you as you are going to be day ninety. And so if that's the case, there are going to be deals in your first 30 days that you see looking back, you know, six months from now, like, ah, you know, that deal in, in Northwest Arkansas, I probably could have pulled that off now, but I just missed it. And that's okay. Like that's, that's part of the learning curve. You're going to have those kinds of situations. I would say go for a budget that is enough to where you think you're, you're, you're really truly going for it, but not so much that it's going to be like create this nervous type energy. So that's going to be different for different people. But I'll tell you the cap for, for a single person. If you're going with a more of a wide model, I would not go over six or seven grand to start with one person, okay? Because it's just going to be too much. Like, as an example, I had a guy that had 40K for ads. Now, this is an anomaly, people. Keep in mind, whenever I started, I had 300 bucks. So th- I couldn't even do any of this. And you know, my business has been built on sweat marketing where, you know, we had very little ad budget but if you have some cash to go into ads, it's faster. All right. But I had somebody that had $40,000 for ads and he was like, let me just spend it in one month. And I was like, no, absolutely not. We can't do that. And he kind of got upset with me. He's like, why? I'm like, the best possible thing that could happen would be the worst thing that could happen. Because if you're in a position where you're paying 2,500 per contract, like we are, which is actually a little bit high right now, but 2,500 per contract. And you know, you have 40K ad budget and you you pick up 15, 20 deals in one month, you can't fulfill that anyway. So it's like the best thing that could happen on the purchase side is the worst thing that could happen for the fulfillment side. So, you know, if you could do two, three, four, that's a great budget. Uh, If you want to go five, that's okay. If you start going six, seven, I'm like, ah, we're going to redline pretty quickly. And at that point, I'm going to say, you need to have a warm bench on hand, which we've already talked about. You know, I, I know that you have that. So, um, that would be up to you, but, uh, do as much as you can to, to feel like you're going for it, but not so much that it creates anxiety.
3: Yeah. And in, in my thought process is why I thought about maybe doing supplementing with a, a or closure list, because I'm going to start maybe lower like 2000 mm. and then depending on how many leads I'm getting in, I'm out, I have some free time and now I'm full-time this. So like, if I have a list of people, I can just call directly in the meantime, that's kind of where the foreclosure list or reaching out directly came into play.
0: Yeah. And, and that makes sense if you want to do that because you have more time than you do capital. And I'm not saying that that's a case here, but uh, if somebody has more time than capital and they want to do a little bit of search ads and then do some outbound, then that's totally fine. But if I had to choose, then I would just do search.
3: Got it. So for me, it's more like if that's the thought process, then just turn out the
0: budget. Correct. Yeah. So maybe Got we it. go 2K month one, get our feet wet a little bit, and then bump it up from there.
3: Yeah. Got it. That helps. Thank you.
0: Cool. You bet, man. All right. Guys, if you're on Insta, YouTube, all the other places, the link to the support call, we're live right now. The link to the support call is in the Investor Creator community on Facebook. So go there. Everybody good? All right, cool. Uh, go to the, the Facebook community. It's a free but private group that we have. The Zoom link's there. You can jump on with us. Jonathan, what say you? How's it going, Brad? Oh, pretty fair, man. What about you? Good, good, good. I just had a couple questions.
5: How do you calculate price equity papered? Now, is that the price you papered it at versus
0: the ARV? Well, price equity is below 70% minus repairs, okay? So it's not just purchase price to ARV because that doesn't factor in anything of rehab, right? But 70% minus ARV, 70% of ARV minus repairs is going to be price equity. And anything above that, like let's say we're taking over a three or 4% loan or we're getting some now, some later or something else that's creative, then we're going to be in a position to have term equity. And everybody is playing in the price equity bucket. The term equity is actually more powerful. You know, the best deals that I've done have been deals that I've basically paid retail for, but I got 0% money on.
6: So.
5: Okay. But like, I know... uh, like I saw your spreadsheet earlier and I can see, you know, price equity papered. Is that how you're doing the calculation based off of is the ARV
0: minus repairs? Uh, and then you... Yeah, so what we would do with that is exit price mm-hmm. minus cost to sell minus cost of goods. So cost of goods okay. is your purchase price okay. plus your rehab. Okay, so we are factoring in all of the rehab costs within those numbers, yes.
5: Okay, great, great. And my second question was, I'm currently 60% through uh, my first rehab in San Antonio, Texas. It's everything's going well. You know, we had a couple of blocks, you know, in stumbles that we came across. Uh, we had a small, like, little roof leak near the chimney that was coming through. And I had some roofers look at it and give me some quotes back. Um, I had my GC look at it and he obviously he was, you know, kind of skeptic about it and you know, on what to do. In this case scenario, would you do bring someone else in to come fix the roof or would you have your GC
0: you know, look at it and p- potentially fix it? Well, did the GC do a roof on it? No, he didn't. Okay. I would have the, my GC look at it. And if it if it's okay, then the GC can give a letter. And if there's a home inspector saying, oh, this is a problem, a GC, here's the basic hierarchy. So you have a home inspector that gives a report, but disclaims everything and basically says, we don't know anything about anything. If you want someone to look at a roof, get a roofer. If you want someone to look at the plumbing, get a plumber, you know, everything. So then above them is a GC. So a GC letter will trump a home inspector, generally speaking. And then a structural engineer will trump a, a GC. So sometimes we've had home inspectors say, oh, potential structural issue. We have a GC go out, write a letter. The buyers are appeased. I have a state licensed third party that says it's okay, that knows more about construction than a home inspector. Okay, so that's kind of the hierarchy there. But I'm I would be fine with the um the GC doing a letter and taking a look at it, and if it needs repairs, getting a bin on it for sure.
5: Okay, yeah that that's my initial thought. You know, if he can fix it, because the roof's in pretty good shape for the most part. I mean, it could just be something like near the chimney, which is like just might need some like uh cement ceiling or
0: something like that. But I don't think it's anything crazy. Yeah, and chimneys leak, man. It's just like yeah. part of their nature. Okay.
5: And another question. So I had paper to deal the mortgage walk away together is 81 repairs are around 45 to 50 K ARVs around 175 to 180. Now in this case, I know I'm like tied up with this, my current project in San Antonio, you know, it's, it's got deep equity in it around probably 180 to hundred K on it. Um, I know that, you know, we cover materials for, for what we have to pay. I, and for my San Antonio, when I actually had obviously lenders cover, you know, the purchase price plus repairs, uh, we had that covered, but we still have to come out of our pocket for the materials, right. Until we get draws. So, so have you ever seen it in the past or when you've done repairs, like have your lenders paid for rehabs or like you had to come out of pocket every time?
0: No, I mean, but, but I didn't start off that way. So today what it looks like is our lenders will fund a hundred percent. Now they may want to do draws and that's fine. It doesn't bother me at all, but the lenders fund a hundred percent of purchase in rehab.
5: Okay. Yeah. So that's what we had for our, our property right now in which we're doing a rehab on. My question is, you know, if I can't, you know, support the rehab on this deal, would I like wholesale it or what do you recommend doing?
0: So is it a bandwidth issue that you wouldn't be able to support the rehab? Like we, we just don't have enough time or is it a capital issue? It would probably be a
5: capital issue,
0: you know, from,
5: you know, capital being spent on marketing, what we're putting into our San Antonio, Texas deal, which is, you know, 40 K rehab, you know, that we want to get on the market within the next two weeks to free that capital up and then, you know, turn it into the business.
0: Yeah. So a couple of thoughts, number one, If we're having to, at this point in the business, put capital into the purchases, you know, purchase and rehab, then I would want to spend some time really building relationships with people with money that, that need a good safe home for that capital. Okay. So, I mean, I feel like after doing a handful of deals, we should be able to go and raise the money to where, um, you know, people are going to feel secure with what we're doing. Okay. So either that or, tap a second position lean on your rehab in San Antonio to pull that 40K back out to, to go back liquid. So either one of those options I'm good with, and that's kind of the direction that I, that I would want to go. Because, I mean, there's no way to scale a business. Like we talk about this in the scale program all the time. Like there's no way to scale a, a business in this industry based on your own capital. And we've had people that start off with like two, $3 million in cash, which is a lot of cash, but they think, oh, I don't have to go and raise money because I'm in a position where I have this money, and that's not the average person right. that comes here. But they always end up spending all of it because if you're talking about a deal like this, you know, you're spending 120, 150 k a whack. Once you get good at purchasing, which we are, then you're going to have a capital problem at some point anyway. You know, so uh, it's just better to go and build those lender relationships, and then once you do that one time well, you never have to do it again. Like I've never. I had to raise money one time and I did it with the right person and he funded me everything for about four years. And then he got in a position where he couldn't, I can't say that he couldn't handle the R volume, but um, he was buying more notes than doing private money loans. And so we still sell him a note every once in a while. But, um, you know, at that point I had such a great reputation that, you know, and I could show a case study, Hey, I did 51 loans with this person in one year. He can vouch for what I'm doing are you in a lending position? You see what I'm saying? So right. that's going to be the most important thing as you scale is being able to have people that have capital and believe in what you're doing.
5: All right. and, and yeah, I, I'm a firm believer of other people's money for sure, OPM, yeah, um, you know, just building those relationships and also having some skin in the game, you know? I I think that's, that's a part of the process for sure.
0: Yeah, so is that helpful? For,
5: yeah, for sure, for sure. I was just kind of... If I need a 45K on this new rehab, you know, I can definitely get a lender for this deal. I don't think that's an issue. Yeah. It's just about covering the rehab costs. Right. So that is just my only issue.
0: Yeah. I and mean, if I'm
5: going to go pull a second, you know, second position, take equity out of my San Antonio deal, then, you know, that's something I can't look at.
0: Yeah. But I mean, honestly, this deal is at 72%. I mean, I, I would not pay cash for this anyway, but let's say it is below 70%. I guarantee you that you can find people that will fund the purchase and the rehab and let you roll. You know, that that's just, okay. that's what we've got to do. Okay.
5: Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm looking at. You know, I did an inspection done that 81 can definitely come down to around 71. You know, I'm, I'm going to talk yeah. to the seller today actually, and go over the inspection. You know, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done And And to be fair, when I did paper this, it was at around 70% less repairs. But because obviously now that I see yeah, right. more inspection on it, I'm I'm raising up the rehab rehab budget, you know, just to be conservative.
0: Oh, for sure. So we're in a position right now where we have not renegotiated this deal. Correct. Not yet. No. Got it. Yeah. So yeah, man. I mean, whenever you renegotiate it, I'm certain that this thing's going to drop 15k, and so that'll put you in a position to go ahead mm-hmm. and move it. Yeah. So I mean, I, I okay. think we're good here. Let's just find the money. Uh, what I don't want you to do, right. to do is wholesale this thing for five grand. And, you know, you, you, no. you've you done the hard work of finding the deal, negotiating the deal, doing the due, due diligence. You make five yes. grand versus 50 because you didn't go and raise the money.
5: Right? Makes yeah, sense. that's exactly what I'm the position I'm in. I definitely don't want to wholesale it. You know, this is a part of the business. There, there's always ways to, you know, a good deal won't go unfunded. And that's, that's absolutely- exactly what I, where I got from you. And I'm
0: a firm b- believer of that. Yeah. So let's go get some money, dude. All right, rock and roll. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. All right. Okay. Of those ten deals that you're doing, are all of those creative deals? No, probably not. So um, that's ten deals as of the 21st of this month on the the, the game day sheet. Um, and generally, I'd say it's probably 50 50, 60 40 around in there on the creative side. So we do a lot of subject two, which is kind of like the lower end creative finance. We do sub two, sub sub three deals, and then some now some later deals as well. And that's really where uh, things get powerful. So appreciate the question on that. Uh, let's see here. There's another question. That's it. that's it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, take a look at the Zoom chats and, and holler at me see if there's anything interesting. All right, cool. All right. I'll do my best here. Jatinder,
4: is that right? Uh, yeah. Hi, Brad. Actually, I go by Jay. Jay, love Just it. Log- hey, yeah, I'm part of the program, actually but I've not logged in in a while. Um, So I'm actually uh, debating a couple of deals and I could use some guidance. Uh, There is a condo in New Jersey that, an hour from New York city that I'm getting at that like 0.7, you know, 70% sort of ARV. But there are uh, the movement in this area, in this particular complex, of sales has been slow. So similar units are selling for over 200. uh, And I'm able to get this directly from the seller, this condo for 140. What's days on market look like? Uh, Days on market is 40 plus for these condos. Well, is 40 an average or is that a minimum? Uh, For this complex of 40 is a minimum. Okay, so what do you think the average is ballpark? Uh, average is about thirty five.
0: Okay, I'm confused. So average days on market is thirty five, but then you said yeah. the, the minimum. Okay, so average is thirty five. Okay, I mean that's a pretty good that that's a pretty good market. So, okay,
4: cool. Continue. I just wanted to to make sure <laughs> it, I understand. Yeah, it does not need any work. So the exit strategies here would be. That uh, either I mean, is it's, that complex? Has it's right by the ski slope? So, so I'm just gonna get, you know, the uh, what is that Airbnb type of situation is is profitable? Yep. Uh, or a retail or hotel. Cool. Right. Those are or even like seller financed. I'm I'm buying it cash, so I would seller finance this potentially. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? The only thing, like
0: New Jersey is a state that has really, really high property tax. So I'd want to make sure that that's not a burden. I've had people that we bought their property in New Jersey where they owned it free and clear, but their property taxes were like two grand a month <laughs> on like mm-hmm. a 350K house. So it's like, do you really even own anything ever in New Jersey? I'm not sure. So I'd check on that. Mm-hmm. Number two, since it's a condo, you want to make sure the HOA is in good financial health so check on that and make sure that the 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 condo is able to receive financing from Fannie Freddie and FHA. So um if you look at the sales in this market and all of them are cash then th- that that alludes to a potential problem that um th- that basically Fannie Freddie and FHA don't look at this as good collateral. So as long as they were good with it with collateral, I mean your numbers are good you know multiple exit strategies on this you know i just want to make sure
4: that property taxes and hoa look good otherwise i, I think this is fine okay okay that's good um so just another question sorry i've never invested in a, those um uh, storage facilities but what are the what are the typical like returns on these would you have any idea uh, i'm going to give you some example um We're purchasing a a storage facility for about nine nine hundred k with fifty eight percent seller financing, and I will uh, there we may be getting about twelve percent interest, um for from my side two fifty k investment. I mean, what what are you? What's your? How's the market doing these days in storage facilities? You know what,
0: man? It's something I know practically speaking, nothing about. I okay. know almost everything about a very, very small box. You know, um, <clears throat> whenever I start to get into other things like new construction, development, I've done two developments, lean developments. I hope I never do that again. You know, we, we've done a little bit of multifamily. I've never done storage. My sister owns some trailer parks. She really loves trailer parks. I know very little about that too. So, I mean, what I would say, man, is find somebody that knows more than me because the last thing that I'd want to do is tell you something that's wrong, and which I know is is very possible uh, when it comes to to do, you know, this is why like the education side, I think is so important. Like I talk about things that I know because I'm currently doing it. I don't really feel like I'm doing you a great service by giving you advice on something I've never done. You know what I mean? So now the 12% kind of scares me and I would want some kind of price equity as well, or the ability to, to force the rent. So forced appreciation through, you know, future development or you know, raising rents, that kind of thing. You know, those are, are great plays in commercial, but, um, yeah, I mean, I wish I was more help on this. Okay.
4: No worries. appreciate the honesty. hundred percent, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, it's like, dude, I, I don't know, you know, like I'm, I'm not a, a storage dude and I don't know anybody that knows everything about real estate. I'm just a single family guy and a really, really good buyer. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man, appreciate the question, Fernando. What's happening,
6: Brandon, right How's it going?
0: Pretty good, man. You doing okay?
6: Yes. Wanted to hop on here and ask you. I think uh, we answered it in the Facebook group, but just wonder how I would go about this. Have yeah, a uh, North Carolina property we're closing on here in a couple of weeks, but we're leasing it back to the seller, and our attorneys are saying that they can't or don't want it to. One yeah. Of the two. Yeah, understood. Uh, hold any funds in escrow uh, post-close. Somebody said in the in the group to just hold the funds ourselves. So I'm thinking just write up a promissory you note know, and unsecure. And just, you know, hope that the seller has enough trust in us. But I was wondering how you would go about this if the attorneys don't want to hold anything in escrow
0: post-close. Well, l- let's back up. So why are we leasing it back and for how long?
6: So we, we got this lead a couple of days ago and we had to close in two weeks to stop foreclosure process. Yeah. So we're buying it through that short timeline and then giving them more time plus close to get them out of the property or actually helping them out and finding a home and helping them move. So we're buying it so quickly that they just don't have enough time to. Okay. Move out of the property.
0: So it's not really a lease back. It's more of a delayed possession. Fair. So the difference is we're not leasing it back to them for six months or a year. We're just not getting possession at closing. And then, you know, they have X amount of time a week, two weeks, maybe 30 days to vacate the property and give you possession. Just some understanding. Okay. Is that correct?
6: I I didn't think of that, but I just thought the only, I mean, after closing that we would just do a lease back, it's the only option that I thought was
0: possible. Yeah. So what we do a lot of times, man, so here's our contract to buy. In paragraph ten, special stipulations, uh, we'll just put in here. So possession is right here, uh, number eight, which says given at closing. Okay. So generally speaking, it says that we we get the property at closing. But that's what you're saying is correct. We sometimes have situations where we can't get possession at closing. So pre foreclosure being one of those. Sometimes it, it's a, a probate issue. So they have stuff in the house. They have to get out. Whatever. So what we would do sure. is write in special provisions um, something that that outlines what we're going to do. So it may look something like, um, you know, sales price to be $100,000, uh, seller to give possession on, you know, if I was closing today, the 21st of February, you know, I may say, you know, seller to give possession March 1st. If possession is not given on March 1st, seller to pay $250 per day for each day that buyer is not given possession, uh, $30,000 will, will remain in escrow as a, a hold ag- against possession. Yeah. You know, something like that. So now we're in a possession, position where part of the money stays in escrow. Now take that to the side. So we're not really doing a lease back. We're just doing like deferred possession. Why is it that the attorneys
6: don't want to hold the money? So I'm not sure of this. I don't know if it's just their firm that doesn't want to do it or if I just need to find another attorney. Uh, they've already st- started the title search. So I've, uh, and given the short timeline, I don't really want to go to another firm to start this process again. Uh, they just told me they don't. We're not able to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would ask why and then ask, Hey, is there another escrow company that you feel would hold the money? I mean, it's, it's extremely rare for us to run into this, but I will say North Carolina does have some weird title laws. So I haven't run into this. Do I, I feel like we've probably done a a deferred possession in North Carolina, but I don't remember like specifically what property, but I I think we can find a third party to do it. You know, another escrow company, another title company, a, a third party attorney, somebody. To do it. If not, we have absolutely done it ourselves. You know, but there is some some trust that has to happen.
6: All right. Is that helpful? Would, would, would you be against us holding the the funds just ourselves?
0: No. As not opposed at
6: all. to finding a third party escrow.
0: No, That's I it, I don't like to do it just because I don't really like to deal with it. You know, what I like to do is have a third party do it. Would I be against holding it just to get the deal done? No. I mean I
6: would if I had to. But it's just not my preference. Okay. So the deferred position, just put in special stipulations that it should be out 30 days post close, if not 30 in. That's right. Yeah. Okay. They had a, a couple other questions. We were actually supposed to close on a, a property today and got a call this morning. It was sub two and we were going to wrap it. Loan yeah. officer called the seller saying that they would call the one on due. If they found up, we're buying this sub so two, and we decided to not go through in buying it or taking title to it. They didn't really give us much of a reason. They just said that they would call it dudes It's just in their provisions, and that's just stand for them. So wondering, would you have done anything different to try and buy the property anyways, or did we make the right call and just not?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I would not do a sub two deal where I'm having a conversation with a lender that is saying stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I assume it was a fairly small lender.
6: Uh, Married home mortgage. Never heard of them. So potentially yes. Okay. And then we are coming up, wondering how do you deal with this? Uh, We're coming up on closing date for a sub three deal in, Florida, and we have we don't have a, a buyer for it yet. Uh, we have a lot of interest, but nothing solidified. Uh, at what point do you ask for an extension on the closing date, if at all? Uh, is that just kind of based on rapport with the seller? Yeah. So
0: whenever I do sub two or sub three deals, I am generally writing the purchase contract for ninety days out. And if I get to like around 30 days prior to close and we, we're not getting traction, then I'm having that conversation with that seller.
6: Okay. Yeah. I think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot there, spreading it for about 45 days out. So, probably. yeah, it's it just,
0: I mean, what we would have to do in that time is to sell it in the first week because then we're going to have an escrow period. See what I'm saying? So, 90 days yeah. is generally the timeline that I want for something like this. Okay. That's good, cool. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right. Next, we have Jordan. Jordan, how are you? Hey, hey what's up, Brad? How's it going? Good, buddy. What you got going on today,
7: yeah, man? Um, I've got a property I got under contract in uh, Gainesville, Florida, cool. and it's it's kind of rough. Um, so I was just kind of wondering, like, um, you know, at what point is it? Um, I could either take this down subject to it or buy it cash. Um, it's like fifty four thousand. Realtor said we could probably easily get 150 out of this, you know, if we've, you know, fixed it, but it probably could easily, it's like 900 square feet. So it probably could use, I don't know, I'd say a good 30 grand to uh, get it right. I guess at what point do you um infuse the 30 grand and or just, or, or I guess what's the number or, or, you know, relative to the project of how dilapidated you would uh, still sell it as is.
0: Yeah. So it depends on what my buyer pool looks like in that area. So if it's a big investor area, yeah. then I'm going to sell it and it's going to look terrible. And uh, I could show you stuff that we've sold retail or basically wholesale on the market, on the MLS, that you wouldn't believe the condition. And we did very, very well on those deals, but I also knew that an investor would buy it. And And I mean, here's kind of what I see is that investors still overpay. So like- yes. I think both of those deals they got bid up. I remember one of them got bid up by like 40 grand and I watched the deal cuz I was like there's no way. I think I bought this property for like 130 grand, we sold it for 240 as is and they sold it for like 350. But they they did a full renovation. And I'm like there's hmm. no way that they're going to make any money on this and and I I don't know what they did unless they stole all the material and the labor, but I suspect they didn't, you know. But it really depends on what that end buyer looks like. If this is a, a you know starter home neighborhood where you have you know like your first time home buyer like that kind of thing, and it, that's all it is, then I mean it's going to be tougher.
7: See what I'm saying? It's kind of, it's kind of in a it's kind of in a rough area. So I'm not sure. So just I mean, would you just um, prefer just getting rid of this? Just say I could either hotel it it I could. This feels like it now. Is it livable without the 30k? It's probably livable. I mean, that would probably just sell this like on a you know contract for deed or something.
0: Yeah. So yeah, well, yeah, in Florida maybe. But if I was going to wholesale this, this feels like ninety nine nine. You know, so you buy for fifty four, you throw it on at ninety nine nine, you clean it out, so it's ugly but safe. You know, functional, not fashionable, and right. you know, for a buyer that's looking in this area and they're like, oh, oh, one fifty one ninety nine. That looks pretty attractive. It's like, well, I can do the work. You know, like I, I think that that would probably fly.
7: Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking I can, I can just take it down um, with with hard money, with little, really just closing cost. Yeah, is all now I get hundred percent towards hard from hard money. So yeah. just closing costs. So I, I could take it subject two, but I would have to come up with more money. So yeah, just um, pay yeah, I'll just. Okay. I so, I mean, in those situations, though, would you, there's still some that if it was in a good buyer pool, you might would still um, wrap that, keep it and wrap it? Maybe.
0: Or, I mean, it, it would depend on the, the cost of the capital to come in. You know, so if I can cash yeah. flow it and it's paying off and I'm creating equity in the note, then yes, and we do those deals, but they're generally not 54K in first position. It's generally cheaper than that. You know, so okay. I have kind of a general rule that, you know, if I'm putting cash in, I'm putting private money in at first position and then wrapping it. That I have my owner finance value has to be three times my purchase price. So, I've got a deal closing. I don't know, maybe tomorrow. Uh, it's in Alabama. We're buying it for twenty seven. I'm going to owner finance it for one hundred and five. Like that works, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm bringing in private money for the twenty seven. We'll probably borrow a little bit to to do some repairs because. I believe on this one, the roof needs to be redone. And I don't want something that has a collateral issue. Meaning if I sell a house that has a leaky roof, I can't command the owner because I'm not the owner at that point to fix the roof. And I want to have paper. I want my note to be on an asset that's stabilized where water can cause a lot of problems pretty fast. So that's kind of an example where I would actually do a little bit of repair, but yeah i mean i think fifty four if you could under finance it for one fifty ish then yeah but i with thirty yeah, i don't care so. i think it's kind of tough
7: yeah yeah I think I might could just get slightly more than that, like you said the hundred almost on a you know a cash sale or a hotel or whatever. Yeah. so yeah okay well that's uh that's good and i don't who are i didn't hear maybe earlier I know you was talking about p p c you are you using a, a somebody in particular or a, a group or are you just... Uh, There's three people like doing
0: Do it in in-house. Yeah. The, the No, we don't do it in-house. I've looked at that. And then I thought, you know what? We just need to stick with what we're good at. And that's buying equity, not trying to run ads. Mm-hmm. And I've had that same conversation. We looked at opening up a title company. We looked at maybe... Because we were spending like 10K a month on uh, dumpsters at one point, just buying a dumpster company. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, okay... If the, if the business can't make a million dollars a year minimum, then it doesn't need to be started. You know, that's the way I feel about businesses mm-hmm. um, and it would good. just be a distraction. So, but yeah, there are three people that we recommend within the community. If you want those three people, I do not share that publicly. So for you, just reach okay. out to support and cause I, I don't want other people to have a competitive advantage against my people. So, no, totally, yeah. So um, reach out to support and we'll get you a list of those guys and connect you. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, 100%, dude. All right, Miss Holly.
8: Okay. So I'm super excited. I had a first deal, it fell through. So now I have a second first deal. The lady called me back this morning and I just need to know what to do because the numbers don't look good um, and I'm not sure where to go. So do you want to hear what I have?
0: Yeah, let's do the numbers.
8: Okay. So the mortgage is 157, walk away is 100 repairs she said it just needs paint it's a 2100 square foot house um so i don't know how much
0: paint it costs well uh, almost all 2100 foot houses need at least 10 grand so we'll just call it 10
8: okay that's what i kind of figured the arv is about 300 and the arrears are 10 and she also wants to stay in the house she wants to rent for
0: two yeah, years th- this falls under so i have an 8 year old daughter yeah. And uh, she really wants a flying pony. And <laughs> I told her, hey, I get it. Like, I, I want a flying pony too, but they don't exist. And so this this right. kind of falls under, uh, she wants a flying pony. You know, it's like, yeah. I want all my cash and I want you to rent it to me. And, you know, it's like, you know, you, you can't have everything. So for me, this would be a pass. So in the script work, it would be the kiss off. Like, hey, I understand you wanting more at this price. We would probably lose money. So I tell you what, if something (laughs) changes, why don't you give me a call back and we're happy to look at it, you know, and see if they come down. Because 100K walk away on this, like this is in the smoking crack realm, like they're smoking crack.
8: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, would you ever reach back that long of a period of time? No,
0: no, especially if someone's in pre-foreclosure. I mean, it's rare that I have like hard, fast yeses and nos. It's almost always, well, it depends, like maybe if the deal is no. And the reason for that is there's really bad case law in a lot of states where an investor uh, buys a house from a seller, especially if they're pre-foreclosure, lets them rent the house long term. And then the seller ends up coming back and saying, oh, I didn't realize I was selling the house, you know, Uh, and and they beat the investor in court. So Mm -hmm. the investor has to give the house back, pay a fine. I mean, I've seen some wild, wild things happen. So I feel like it's just much easier to just have clean, easy transactions. You know, somebody wants to sell. Do you want to stay in the house? Hey, is there a way that you can find to raise the $10,000? Like, that's what I, I would have the conversation with. them. Mm-hmm. Try to keep them in. Okay. Cool. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Love it. All right. Miss Shannon, how are you? Long time note to talk to. It's been a while. Where you been? Life
9: been life. <laughs> <I've been> <laughs>
0: that settles everything.
9: <laughs> yep. Pretty much. <laughs> that covers it all. Yep. Okay, so um I have this property in South Carolina that I've already got it is a subject to numbers are let me see the mortgage is one twenty six. The walk away was twenty. I have put five thousand into the house. And then the ARB is two forty. Beautiful. So this was a retail deal, but when I got to the house, I I ended up having to clean out the house tradition, you know, that kind of thing. But I had to replace the carpet in the house. But honestly, I could tell you, I did not want to replace the carpet in the house because I have too much going on. So I've been having buyers come into the house recently and I'm just like, I got to replace this freaking carpet do you think that makes a big deal? Yes. Like, I do
0: too. Yeah, I mean, I I hate to tell you because I know that's not the the answer you're looking for, but it's the correct one. So like some sellers try to do a carpet allowance, but what gets you an offer is emotional appeal. So like very, very few people have vision. I learned this whenever I was selling real estate and we were doing new construction. So we did did custom pre-sales. So like from the house plan, building it from ground up. And so I was in charge in part of the selection process, the colors, the doorknob uh, type and color, what the the fixtures look like, what the cabinet selections were, all of that. And, and I, I can't begin to tell you how many times I would have one person or the other say, I just can't figure out what that looks like. You know, right. and I had many people, I remember one lady, she painted the house yellow and we told her this is going to be yellow. She was like, oh yeah, I'm so excited. I love it. Now she had, she had just seen the swatch. She hadn't seen it on the wall. And we said, hey, why don't we paint one room? You come look at it. She's like, no, no, no. I know this is what I want. This is what I want. This is the wife. They can't, we painted everything. Okay. The whole house was canary yellow. She came in the house, started crying, (laughs) you know? So that said, I would prefer to do carpet allowances, but we don't. And I, the reason that we don't is the carpet smell makes a difference. It looks better. It looks clean. Yeah. You know, people get excited idea. about it. You know, it's new carpet. They think carpet costs eighteen dollars a foot when it costs $1 a dollar a You know, so
9: so I got an offer on this property, and I'm gonna tell you now that the carpet is absolutely disgusting, right? But I did I give a car. I gave an allowance um, for the carpet, and I really did have plans for getting the carpet done. But the offer was one ninety because the house needs work. The house needs carpet and paint.
0: Well, but people can't see it. That's what I'm saying. They think that might cost 50 grand.
9: Uh,
0: and they think, well, maybe I'm going to tell
9: her the same way, too. She was just like, well, I'm not sure. And I'm like, girl, you're
0: supposed to be my No, they all work for the commission, hun. They all work for the dollar bill. So whoever's paying the dollar bill, exactly. which is the buyer. Okay. Because they're buying it. They're bringing the cash. They're getting the loan. Yeah. I mean, they all work for the buyer.
9: Okay. Once you have retailed this out, I don't think the um, buyer, the person that I've worked from, is not somebody that I would want to keep um, a subject to, to be honest. But do you think this was a retail uh,
0: deal? I would have retailed it. I mean, it didn't need much in repair. And you're going to have deals that are lower equity positions that you can keep. Like Aaron's deal that we talked about at the very beginning of the call. I don't know if you saw it, but he had a deal that was really razor thin equity wise, price equity but it's going to cash flow a thousand a month. So those are the deals that we want to own or finance. We can't go retail with them, you know, okay. and the cash and the business churning more ads, more infrastructure, more labor is going to create more long-term assets. So um, I would much rather retail this and move it. Yeah.
9: Uh, okay. So um, part two of my questions, I basically was running ads and I don't know if you know, but I was kind of let go of the ads. So that's where I've been at recently. <laughs> you you don't see me on these phone calls because I'm restarting my ads. Or I haven't even gotten new deals yet. I'm restarting every... I'm, I feel like I'm starting all over.
0: Well, I know you're doing pretty well because you're posting in the group. So shoot me an email and let me know how, how I can help.
9: Yeah, I'm going to shoot you. I wanted to tell you the whole story. I don't know if I sent it to you, but I'm going to send it to you. Yeah,
0: email. send it to me. I'd like to hear.
9: Yeah, I'm going to see... You're going to laugh, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know Is if that's good them. or bad.
9: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm a retail list out. And Cause in my head I started I guess I started got that one offer and it started playing with my head a little bit. And I was just like, Well, should I own the finances citizen? So no. Give me a couple of dollars. Then I got the uh, quotes and I was like, Okay, why don't we just do it myself?
0: Yeah. So. No. I mean, we're doing paint for like three dollars a foot with the labor and the material, something like that. Amanda would know. So, I've so.
9: got the house painted.
0: Okay, cool. And then carpet. I got sucked. the house
9: painted though, except for one room. Yeah, and that's the kitchen. But the kitchen was absolutely fine. Like the kitchen is in excellent condition.
0: Cool. And
9: it was just like, well, the kitchen doesn't match.
0: Well, they're it just they're just it's just
9: big not big. as fresh.
0: Yeah, that's stupid.
9: Okay. Yeah. They, I, they got in my head a little bit. So I was like, let me just ask this with somebody else, a retailer, where they try to find another investor?
0: Yeah. I mean, if I start to hear that from a buyer, it's like, well, it's totally understand. It sounds like this is not the house for you.
9: That's how I feel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like there's going to be another buyer. I really
9: don't. Yeah. And it's been on the market for maybe I, I, 12 days. Like, no.
0: Yeah. No. no. I, I wouldn't and even respond to that. Days on
9: market and... Is uh, I, I told her don't respond, but then they got into like a back and forth and I'm like, don't even respond. So he sent the second message and it was 200,000. I'm still not responding to that.
0: No, try another three times at that rate and I'll respond to you. You know, come in at 230 and you'll get an answer. There
9: you go, know? get a
1: response from me.
0: Yeah, so like I'm generally... You know, three percent wiggle room in the price, something like that. I mean, that three to four percent is kind of like a national average. If somebody comes in below ten percent, I don't respond. You know, okay. And it's just, I, I may send a formal rejection just so that they know what my answer is. But it's like, no, I'm not countering you. I'm not going to counter. Like, that's but-
9: what my realtor wanted me to do so bad. She said, "Well, can we just counter?" And I was like, "How about we just ignore?" She's like. I don't know to, because I've worked with this relative before. I was like, well, you deal with it. And that's when she got into the back and forth. But you get into a back and forth with something that gave you a headache. And I was asleep. So good yeah, luck. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. No, thanks.
9: <laughs> okay. You have a nice
0: day. Cool. Good thank to see thank you. you. You bet. I'm going to send you an like, email right now. Yeah, shoot me an email. All right. All right. Biagio, how's the legal world in New York today? It's uh, so far. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that.
10: Um, so, I guess a quick in the weeds question: When you are looking to do sub two wraps, do you have the ability to deduct the interest payments that you are making on the underlying mortgage from taxes? And if not, do you ever take that into account when trying to calculate, you know, whether or not it's a good deal or not for you?
0: Yeah. So the answer is yes. What the IRS says is not who is on the ten ninety eight, but who actually pays the interest that gets the, the deduction. So the first year that can be a little bit tricky, like let's say I buy a house at the end of June. Well, technically they have six months worth of that deduction and I'll have six months worth of that deduction and you could kind of amortize it and try to get it down to the penny. We don't, we just take it 50, 50. You know, if it's the the second month of the year, we'll give them one, six, we'll take five, six. All mm-hmm. right. But you can absolutely deduct that because it's who pays the interest, not who's on the 1098.
10: That's, that's, all, that's, all, that's all I got.
0: Cool. Love it, man. Thanks, bro. Yes, sir. All right. Jeff, how are you? Uh, doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. What you got today? I had a question. I had an investor call
10: me earlier that has this property that they went in and uh, fixed up. And uh, he has it as like a seller finance. But I think he's kind of had a little bit of a hard time selling on it. So he ended up calling me and uh, asked me if it's something I'd be interested in. I, um, he's gone in, redone everything. Inside and out, new roof, heat
0: and air, uh, everything. Such a bad idea, but go ahead.
10: And um, anyway, I mean that it's worth about two sixty seven. Is the ARV? You know, he, he said he needs about two fifty five out of it. But I, I mean, I I know he'll take a little bit less. Normally, I have my properties and keep them for rentals. But I mean, at that kind of number, I just can't. I just don't know how I would make it work with the mortgage on it like that. But, you know, I just thought I'd, you know, present it to you and just see if you had any ideas how to make that property work yeah, or if it's just not a good deal, you know, I mean, or one that just wouldn't work.
0: So do you have the mortgage amount, how much the seller owes on the mortgage? You know, I'm not really sure. I know he's got a commercial loan on it. Yeah. So um, it's out. Yeah. So I'm not going to take over commercial paper. But let's just play a, for instance, like how would this deal work? Like, let's say the 255 was here and it was at 3%. That's supposed to be a three, by the way. So uh, 3%, their walk away is zero and there's no repairs. Like this is a deal that would work. And how it would work is I'd go probably 285, owner finance value, get 25K down. So we're what at 260 on the note. So I'd only have five thousand dollars worth of note equity. Okay, so the, this five thousand comes from the two hundred and sixty that the buyer still owes, but it's wrapped around the two hundred and fifty-five. Okay, now the kind of fun part: cash. We get twenty a twenty-five k down payment, but the seller is not getting any proceeds at closing. So we net twenty-five thousand cash, and then on something like this, probably I don't know seven fifty to a thousand per month in cash flow because of the the difference in the rates, so like basically, we're borrowing the money at the three percent interest rate, right? And then we're owner financing right. it at eight percent. So five percent, it's pretty close. So five percent on two hundred and sixty is ten thousand, thirteen thousand. So it would be just over a thousand dollars a month in cash flow on this deal. So like that would work. But the thing is, with commercial paper, we can't take it over subject to. So, gotcha. um, You know there there's a way to make any price work with the right terms, but I I'm not seeing it here that, and, and I hate that this guy did this big renovation to try and maybe owner finance it, which he can't even do with the commercial paper in place anyway. So this guy just needs some help, but not from us. Gotcha. Not like, Hey, let me buy this house and help you. Like, no,
4: we'll,
0: we'll find a better deal and buy you some training on how to do something smarter than what he's doing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That That's gotcha. tough. Okay. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Appreciate the question. All right, gang. Let me see if there's anything else in the chat. All right. So question in the chat, did I hear you say uh, your lenders are doing 100% of purchase and rehab? Yes. It, and and here's the thing, like m- nobody started off being like that, but at the point that they saw that I was consistently having good deals, they understand now that their capital with me at 100% is safer than them funding somebody else that at, 90%. You know what I mean? 90% of purchase, and then they do their own rehab. And then also, as they've grown and I've grown, their biggest problem is they have too much cash. So, I mean, I got a text not long ago like, hey, I'm sitting on capital, you know? And so I'm able to serve them in a better way by keeping their capital deployed. Right. So, really good question there. And make sure there's nothing else. We'll make sure I get to everybody. All right. Cool. Good. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all. It's been a couple weeks since I've done one of these. I've been in Florida the past couple of weeks, so I uh, hope to get back in the swing of things. If you guys ever need me, then reach out, brad at com. Be sure and reach us, uh, the Investor Creator Community on Facebook, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Thank you guys for coming.